My hope is that I hope you have seen in the past, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure, five, six weeks as we have gone through the series on work, that godly people shouldn't just be ministers. That you should be all kinds of things, that we are to be ingrained in every sector of the society, whether it's judicial, political, educational, service, arts, entertainment, financial, medical, all sorts of things. In the Middle Ages, when people talked about calling, it was actually specifically to the calling to the church. But then, during the Reformation, we recovered a very biblical principle that actually all of us, all of us are called as priests. All of us have have received this calling from God, and we started to then talk about how Jesus was a carpenter, for example, during the Reformation. That every job can be a job that can glorify God and be used to transform the world. Um, and I think that God is doing something. I mean, it's not just uh, uh, this church. Actually, all around the world these days, you hear about work. Um, in many, many evangelical churches around the world, uh, work as participating uh, in God's mission. But if every job can glorify God, and it begs the question, then how can I know which job I'm, co- I'm called to? Or if you're already working, how can I know that I should be staying in my job? And I'm pretty sure it was Tim Keller um, who come, came up with this. I couldn't remember where or when, but I, I'm going to borrow it since it's stuck in my mind. I think um, this guideline is very, very helpful. When you're discerning your call, look in and then look out and look up. So that's very simple, isn't it? Look in, look out, and look up. Uh, look inside to see what God's giftings and passions um, God has given you. Look outside and see where the, what the world's needs are. Um, but as you do that, also look up to see, find God's guidance. So first, look in. We have been created in God's image so that we can do God's work on behalf of him as his stewards, but also as inheritors people who are entrusted with, with the responsibility of taking care of the whole world as stewards but also as inheritors, people who will inherit this, king, uh, this earth. So once again, if we go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we're reminded that God says to himself, Let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. He says, let's make man in our own image so that they can do this work on our behalf. So we are created in, our, in God's image so that we can work. But the next line in verse 27 is very significant as well. Because here, this is what God says at the end, end of verse, verse 27. In, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And I hope you can see the juxtaposition of the singular and the plural there. Right? It's in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You see, all of us bear God's image. We are created in God's image, but not in uniformity, but in diversity. God creates us in God's image, but male and female, he created them in diversity. In fact, I think I could say with confidence that 
All of our individual differences and distinctiveness, not, not, not just the things that we're born with, but, but, you know, all of the things that come with our experience, all of that, you know, the, the way that God has formed us to become the people that we are, we are created in God's image in different ways. And all of us glorify God and all of, all of us reflect the, the glory of God's image in different ways. Some of us love math. Others cannot stand it. Some of us are great in music. Others are gifted in athletics. Not that these are mutually exclusive uh, or any of these things. Some of us love, love cooking. Others pretend to love dishwashing so they can get away with not cooking. Some of us are drawn to big and abstract ideas. Some of us are nitty-gritty, detailed people, aren't we? And some of us are passionate about envir- protecting the environment. And some of us are passionate about building beautiful buildings. All of us reflect God's image in different ways. Then we should try to find jobs that can play to our unique talents and gifts and passions. I had an investment banker friend, and um, uh, this is the time when I didn't really like investment banking very much, and I just went on a tirade against investment banking. I said, why do you work as an investment banker? And he said, more than the money, he loved the challenge. He loves the challenge. He loved the problem solving, the research, and the sense of achievement, and just the, 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 all the things that's involved in doing that. He just loved, the, loved, loved doing it. It gave him a sense of pleasure doing it. And I, it reminded me of um, In Chariots of Fire. This is a movie, I think, overall, it's a very good Christian movie, but as a movie, it's, I think it's a bit mediocre. But it's a great uh, story. And Eric Little, the Olympic miler who refused to run in the Sabbath day, um, says this famous line. He says, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. You see, he was good at running. He was, he, he was really good at running. And he, when he ran really fast, he felt God's pleasure because he, he felt this is something that God made me to do. That God has gifted him with this gift. And as he's using it, he, 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 he feels that he's glorifying God, that God is pleased with him using that gift. And because we are made in God's image with gift, different gifts and talents, we are, uh, 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 we are to do, we are to try to do the things that we enjoy, the things that gives us that sort of pleasure. It's a good thing that God has made us differently. So first, look in. How has God gifted me? What am I good at? What am I passionate about? Obviously, this can't be something that's sinful. That's out of the question. <laughs> but um, that's, uh, that, that, that goes without saying. But find the thing. That says, you know, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. What is it? What is it for you? We're made in God's image, but in different ways. In our diversity, we're made to do different things. But many of you are thinking, well, I have my job not just because, not because it gives me a sense of pleasure or accomplishment or, you know, these things, but it, because it pays the bill. Because it pays the bill. And I want to affirm the choice, uh, the fact that actually choice uh, that's given to us, it's actually, uh, this is a luxury, um, only enjoyed by very thin sliver of people in the very uh, recent history. Uh, and there's dignity in taking jobs that, t- that pays the bill. In fact, I think it's implied in this passage. So once again, look at um, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, when God then says, Be fruitful and increase in numbers and fill the earth. 
I think that line implies that, doesn't it? It implies that we are to do that, the, the jobs that allow us to be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And how is that possible unless we feed our family? How is it possible we feed our mouths and feed the people that, that God has given us? How is it, it's not possible for us to do that. Um, we need to do jobs that can pay the bill. So I want to affirm the fact that that is an important thing, and there's dignity in that, and there's a, that's, a, that's a great purpose for work. But also I want to add to this, there's a larger mandate for humanity, for the entire humanity here in this passage. Um, that's one that's greater than our sense of fulfillment, one that transcends our individual desires to do the things that fulfill us. In other words, we are created for a greater purpose, and we're told this in this passage, that we are created for a purpose that's greater than ourselves. Um, At the heart of it is this, we are to make this earth more suitable for all of us, for all of us. Fill the earth, subdue it, rule over it. This is a call to develop this place as God would continue the work of that creation, organizing and developing and creating to make this world a better home for all of us. In other words, we need to see outwards and see what the needs of the world are, how to make this world a more livable, beautiful, and enjoyable place to live. And we are to try to meet those needs. And that is the purpose. That's, that, that, that's our call. That's our mission. In fact, it's only when we fulfill that sort of mission that's greater than ourselves that we feel fulfilled. There's a very interesting article um, in the Atlantic magazine in the January issue that just came out um, called, There's More to Life Than Being Happy. More to life than being happy. So um, go online. It's, it's available free. It's in this January issue. It mainly fe- features a man named Viktor Frankl, whom many of you know. Viktor Frankl was a prominent Jewish psychiatrist. A neurologist in Vienna was arrested with his family and um, worthy services. Engineers and construction workers are necessary, obviously, to build safe and hospitable buildings for all of us. Lawyers are necessary in all sorts of ways to promote justice, to make sure things are done properly, to make sure that there's fair play in the marketplace around the world. Doctors and teachers, I mean, your jobs really no, don't need any apology. I think, I think also I, Christian politicians, I, desp- I think that Christian politicians are, we need more people going into, Christian, uh, in, into politics. We need more Christians making wise and godly policies for Hong Kong and for, uh, for around the world. Too many times I think we've made the mistake of taking these godly people and saying, do you think you have, you've been called to be a minister? As if that is the higher call. I, I just don't think that is true. Your jobs, I'm sure you don't have to think that hard to find meaning in your jobs. You are a part of uh, people who God, uh, bear God's image and taking care of this whole world. Um, and in our jobs, um, in all of our fields, then, then we can also make these small contributions to do things slightly better, a bit more fair, a more skillful way, a more efficient way of doing things, right? And that you can make that small contribution in your jobs. So once again, look in and then look out to see how you, it fits 
into the whole world, how God takes care of this whole, whole world. And finally, look up, look up, look to God as you think about how to discern God's call. And I'm not, this isn't to say these other two were godless things that you just do on your own, right? I want to once again acknowledge the fact that God has gifted you with certain gifts and passions. I want to acknowledge the fact that actually God um, directs your attention to the needs of this world and that God made you caretakers of this whole world. So God is definitely in the other two as well. But um, as you If you're you're thinking about, if you're a college student thinking about what to do next or if you're thinking about changing jobs or whatnot, look to God for God's directions. And once again, I'm going to, this is going to leave you uh, somewhat dissatisfied because this is such a large topic, how God guides. I'm going to hit the highlights. And I'm sorry, I can't go into the details. Um, uh, I'm going to go uh, through the highlights. And I want to say that all of these ways I'm going to mention are... Um, God's way of guidance, but only one way, only one way is objective and always reliable. But let's go, uh, the list is going to come up um, there. The first way that God uh, uh, guides is simply by opening doors, opening doors. Sometimes we have to take the job that's in front of us. You know, when I took this job at Shatin Church, this was the only job that was open for me. It was the only, it was the only open, I'd like to say that I had all these other choices, but this was the only job that was given to me. And I took the job and I can see how God has prepared me. So I hope you, you feel the same way a little bit. But, um, for, um, for this job and, you know, for many of you, that's your experience. You know, God closes some doors and God opens some doors and then God is in the midst of that decision. You know, um, once again, this is a very important principle. One person said that it's, um, Guidance is what God does more than what God gives. God guides you as you offer up your life. God is at the, you know, in the the open doors around you. That that's God's in the midst of those um, in, in those circumstances because God is sovereign God who is in control over every situation. Another way that the God guides, uh, that God guides in a job search or any, any decision really is simply through advice of wiser Christians. They offer perspective, they offer experience, and hopefully they offer greater knowledge of scripture and knowledge of scripture that's tested by experience. And so they've uh, come to know, see, that the Bible is reliable, that God's word's reliable. But of course, once again, the advice of wiser Christians really advice of still sinful people. Fallible people. So there's not foolproof. In a similar way, some people rely on the words of prophecy. God still reveals his specific will to certain people through the Holy Spirit. And we see examples of this in the early church. I'm sure some of you have examples in your own life as well. But I want to say this isn't and should not be your main mode of operation. Because prophecies are extraordinary. It's extraordinary in the Bible. It should be extraordinary in your life. It's not as if these things happen all the time. And of course, prophecies aren't foolproof as well because we sometimes mishear these things. If you're asking, how do I know that the prophecy, whether a prophecy is a true prophecy from God or not? Well, the Bible offers a very uh, simple guideline. This is Deuteronomy. Write this down. Deut- look it up. Deuteronomy eighteen twenty-one to twenty-two. This is what God says there. You may say, uh, you may say to yourself, 
How can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take uh, place or come true, that's a message that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously. What are you saying? If it doesn't come true, it's not, it's not true. It's not from the Lord. How do I know whether a prophecy is true? Well, if it, it comes true, it's from the Lord. If it's not, it, it doesn't. It's not from the Lord. You see, what the Bible is saying is you can't be 100% sure. You just can't until it comes true or not. I'm sure you've had experiences. I've had experiences. Of, you know, I've, I had a good friend um, in college who was convinced that God had spoken to her and said that she was going to marry this particular person by end of the college years. It didn't come true. She was so convinced, but it did not come true. That wasn't from God. Prophecies, dreams, visions are comforting, and God gives us and sometimes speaks to us to give extraordinary comfort and guidance. But there's, these aren't certain ways, and these aren't always the, 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 the main mode of operation. Or, um, and you, you know, one of the th- questions that you always have to ask is, if you really want this to be true, um, whether the prophecy that's been given to you is something that you just desperately want it to be true, right? I mean, that's another way of thinking about that. But, you know, our sinfulness guides the person who speaks, and our sinfulness also is part of how we listen as well. So it's not foolproof. And we can say a similar thing about prayers and answered prayers through, I don't know, guide, a sense of inner peace and whatnot. Of course, and we should and must pray in all important decisions as we should in every small decisions in our lives as well. But prayer, because prayer is a privilege that has been won by the, by, by the blood of Jesus. We have access to God all the time through Jesus Christ and we should be using that access. But, Waiting on the Lord, if it means some sort of firm confirmation every time you make an important decision, I don't think this is very biblical. Sometimes God speaks to you very clearly, but most of the times, God wants you to be wise, grow in wisdom by allowing you to make decisions yourself and by being in the decisions that you make prayerfully. And when it comes to guidance, really, there's only one objective way, one objective and always reliable way to hear God's voice. Second Corinthians chapter, Second um, Timothy three sixteen. All Scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We got to read the Bible. We have to read the Bible. We must have our minds be so transformed by it. We must let it teach us, rebuke us, train us, correct us, so that we'll be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see how comprehensive that is. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is sufficient guide, right? Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you believe this? That the Bible is a sufficient guide for you to do good works in every situation. Every situation. Even the early church, you know, the uh, Corinthian church has many, many problems, and they had many people who were speaking uh, prophecies there as well. But the main way that God guided that Corinthian church is by having Paul write a letter. You know, and these became the rule for the Corinthian church. 
And as we're told in 1 Thessalonians 2.13 and other places, they, they, they become the word of God. These are the, word of, the words of God, written not directly to us, but definitely for us. That was the voice of God, and that, it, it, these are the specific instructions. Now, on this point, I think some people, um, I, I, if I can make just a one a practical suggestion, I think some people turn to sort of sense of inner peace and confirmation of the Holy Spirit and whatnot uh, uh, after closing the Bible too quickly because the Bible is actually difficult to read. It's not that easy. You know, a lot of people do their quiet time and they read a passage and they just don't understand. Because I want to say, actually, the Bible is a difficult book. It was written 2,000 years ago for over many, many you know, different circumstances by many different people. Um, but I want to say, don't give up. You know, don't give up uh, reading the Bible. Don't, you know, just close um, the Bible in your quiet time and then go, God, just speak to me. Because this would be so much easier if you just spoke to me. You know, this would be so much easier. Um, and I suppose uh, 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 one suggestion I want to make is, you know, study the Bible with other people. <laughs> Come to links. Come to links. Belong to Bible study. You know, uh, read with other people. And if uh, that's not an option for you, I, I, you know, a lot of times I think, um, in, in, um, if I can ask you to, uh, buy, there's a good, you know, IVP one volume commentary that can give you sufficient sort of cultural background, can tell you historical things, um, that can fill that gap in your mind. Um, buy one of these one volume commentaries. Um, if you, if I can make a suggestion, if you are doing a book study, buy a book on the commentary. I mean, buy a commentary on the book and, you know, read, sorry, <laughs> read with the, with the passage. Or there are many, many help, right? Um, uh, there, there, there is sufficient, I mean, there are many, many resources that's out there. You know, this is the most reliable, foolproof way of listening to God's voice. And we must let this speak to us every day of our lives. We must let this be, uh, transform our minds so we can always make good decisions and that glorifies God. This is the only definite way, foolproof way of doing, um, uh, re, uh, um, finding God's voice. So look in, look up, uh, look in, look out, look up, rather to look to the Bible as we make decisions. But, and, and finally, I want to say, just make decisions. Go ahead and make decisions. Don't be paralyzed. Don't be paralyzed in, 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 in you know, not, um, uh, don't be paralyzed um, because you, you don't hear God's voice all the time. Um, this is Proverbs 16.9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. This isn't to say, this isn't saying you should stop making, you should stop making plans, right? You should stop, you should continue to make plans, but God will guide your steps. God will guide your steps. And if you think about the cross, what Jesus has done, you can trust Jesus. You know, the worst possible situation, God turned it around to glorify himself. God even uses the enemies, right? The people who are conspiring against him. 
He turns it around to bring glory to himself. God is a perfectly sovereign God. And God's in the midst of your lives. Look in, look out, look up, and make decisions. Make decisions. God will be in there. Let's pray.